0: Last week talking about Lent, I I illustrated by telling you about my addiction to cookies and my giving up cookies for Lent. And that was a mistake on my part, because you've been bothering me ever since. So (laughs) last Sunday, the choir had a luncheon there before they practiced, and people said, you're eating cookies. I said, you didn't listen to my sermon very well, because I mentioned that on Sundays, we never fast." Because every Sunday is a feast day It's the feast day of the resurrection That's why our, our centerpiece here Is the resurrected Christ and, and we celebrate that But again this morning Somebody said to me How are you doing with the cookies? <laughs> somebody else said Are you going to talk about cookies this morning? So I said yeah, I, Okay, I did that Now we're, we're good, right? I talked about cookies um, I, I was reading a book recently And I, and I came across this quote and, and the author says, There is nothing more basic to human existence than the call and response structure. The author here is, is speaking of the call and response structure that is part of, of certain kinds of music. We, we hear it in certain kinds of music. It's, it's like a dialogue between voices or instruments. One calls, the other responds. We, we can hear it in African music uh, often. If, if you listen to Southern spirituals, you'll, you'll hear that call and response structure. Uh, work songs, uh, sea shan- chanties, uh, those, those people that used to, what they used to sing when they'd work, you'd hear that call and response. Uh, jazz, jazz. Uh, which, I, which I'm quite fond of, is often based on that call and response structure, but it's not human voices talking to each other, as much as it's instruments in dialogue with each other. One will issue the call and, and the others will respond. Uh, and it's not just jazz the other day I was listening to a symphonic piece by Tchaikovsky and I, I said hey there's call and response in here so the strings are putting down a theme and the horns are picking up the same thing in, in response but of course horns don't sound like strings at all it's a very different kind of sound but it's that response, that call and response right. here this is, a, this is a great example of call and response this is a South African youth choir Listen to the response. I edited that for the sake of time, so you don't get to hear the whole song. The structure of call and response is deeply woven into the Bible. And, and that's why I have picked this theme today. We, we first see it in the story of Samuel. Samuel hears someone call his name in the night, and he, and he, and he thinks it's Eli the priest, and he gets out of bed and he goes to Eli in response. And this happens several times, and Eli finally realizes that it's God calling Samuel. And he says to him, go back to your bed, and when you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And this is what Samuel does. He goes back to bed, and he hears the voice, and he says, speak, Lord. And in essence, what what Samuel says to God in, in those words is, speak, Lord, and tell me, what to do. Here I am, Lord. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me where to go. The call of God and our response to him is the very foundation of our being disciples. We are disciples because Jesus called us and we responded. The call and response is the very foundation of our Christian life. Now, now we see this call and response in the Old Testament reading for this morning That you've already heard involving Abram Now if you're confused Abram and Abraham are the same person God decided to change Abram's name to Abraham And you can look it up in Genesis chapter 17 if you want But I'd like you to turn to your Bible and, and your, your pew Bible If you've got that one to page 10 And uh, we'll, we'll look at this Starting with verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So there's the call. God calls Abram to leave and and go to a different country. Uh, Abram, by the way, is 75 years old at this point. Usually at 75, you're you're not planning on making a move. And God doesn't even tell him where he's going to go. He says, I just want you to move to a place I will show you off in the future. This doesn't sound like Freedom 55 for Abram, does it? Abram receives word word from his boss That his retirement will be delayed He's got more work for Abram to do God calls Abram to leave the place where he's rooted A place where his family lives A place where his friends live A place where he's known and respected And he calls him to go to a place unknown How will Abram respond? Will he ignore the call? Will he give God an outright no? Will he play passive-aggressive and say, sure, God, I'll go, but he spends 15 years packing? Is that what he'll do? Uh, Or will he respond? We see in verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. He responded to the call, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, if you look at the map here, you'll, you'll, you'll see that little turquoise line he actually started off in, in, in present day uh, Iraq, in that area, and he travels all the way up to Haran, and his father follows him, and he lives there for a long time. So he's living there at the top of the map in, in Haran, and then when God calls him to leave again, he travels through Syria, through Palestine, through the Canaanite territory, all the way into Egypt, and then eventually he makes it all the way back to present day Israel. That's a long journey for a 75-year-old guy. God called. Abram responded. Now, Paul comments on this, as we heard earlier, as as Ashley read. He comments on it in in our epistle for the day, which is Romans 4. For the scripture tells us that Abram believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram's response to the call of God was simply an act of faith. He moved in faith to obey and follow God. He trusted God enough to take the risk of leaving everything that was familiar to him because he lived in a faith relationship with God. Romans 4.13 says Clearly God's promise to give the whole world to Abram and his descendants Was not based on his obedience But on a right relationship with God That comes through faith You see, faith is part of our Responding to God and to his call Now maybe you're thinking this morning Well that's, that's great for Abram What a lucky guy He gets to hear God's voice calling to him When have I ever heard God's voice? You think to yourself Maybe there have been times in your life When you longed to hear God's voice You longed to hear God telling you What you should do Or, or where you should go Or which job you should take But there was silence so Abram was lucky He got to hear God's voice Well Maybe we haven't learned to hear the voice Maybe that's our difficulty We haven't quite learned to detect the voice when it comes Most of us don't hear an audible voice from God But we do hear God calling us and we need to respond Here I am Lord, your servant is listening, tell me what to do Now let's move to the gospel stories in John chapter 3 there are two people in this story There's Jesus and Nicodemus you know, we, we see Nicodemus portrayed in, in this next slide By an African artist Which, which, which I, I like I like the, the energy in, in it as, as, you, as you find Nicodemus and, and Jesus reaching out to each other and Engaging in a conversation What do we know about Nicodemus? Well he was a Pharisee He was part of that conservative Religious party that took God Seriously and took obedience to God seriously. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of, of the Israelites. Actually, the Romans ruled the country, but not spiritually. The Sanhedrin ruled the country. And he became a believer. He spoke up for Jesus in the Sanhedrin when they, were, when they wanted to arrest him. And in spite of the risk involved, he said, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? And then after the crucifixion of Jesus, Nicodemus was one of the ones who took his body from the cross and prepared it for burial and placed it in a tomb. Now let's focus on on the first few verses of the story. If you take your Bible again and turn to page 811, and it's uh, John chapter 3. And we'll look at the first four verses. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I want you to look this morning at this story of Jesus and Nicodemus as a call and response story. And I want you to, to wrap your head around it from that direction. A call and response story. God's voice calling Nicodemus is not immediately obvious. We don't read, Jesus says, God says to Nicodemus, go see Jesus. We don't find that here. There's no record of God calling Nicodemus to go see Jesus. But there are hints. Let's, let's start with the question, why did Nicodemus go to Jesus at night, in the dark? Why did he do that? There's at least three answers. Maybe you can think of four or five. I, I'm not sure, but there's at least three the first answer is that he was afraid. He was afraid of what? Afraid of the Sanhedrin. Because they were so opposed to Jesus. There might be consequences for him in the Sanhedrin had he been known to go see Jesus. Number two, I think he was uncertain about Jesus. He's a religious leader. Everybody looks to him for, as an example. And what if Jesus is a fraud? And what if he leads people astray by going to Jesus? Maybe he's uncertain and, and maybe, maybe he goes out of need Maybe he, he, he goes because there's something inside of him That needs to have a private conversation There's something that he wants to talk about That he doesn't want other people to know about He's got a need for privacy So now let's, let's watch as this story unfolds Nicodemus begins the conversation as he should with words of respect towards Jesus that almost border on flattery. Rabbi, we we know that you're a great teacher from God. And what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't respond to this flattery at all. He immediately steers the conversation in a completely different direction, beginning by emphasizing that what he's about to say is the absolute truth And Nicodemus would do well to pay attention to what he's about to say. Our version has Jesus saying, I tell you the truth. And and that's a good translation, but it loses some of the forcefulness. Jesus literally said, and I'll give you the Greek words, amen, amen. That's what we get the word amen from. Amen, amen, which means truthfully, truthfully. Or I tell you the truth. Jesus is emphasizing that what he's about to say is true, and he needs to be attentive to this. And then he says, "Truly, I truly, I tell you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God." Now, again, that's another interesting word. Here's the Greek word, "anothen." See, "anothen," and it means one of two things. It means literally from above. It doesn't literally mean again It means from above But it can also mean again And and that's how many of our versions translate it You must be born again But what he literally says You must be born from above Well how do you know which meaning it has Well you, you, you take it out of the context You pull it out of the conversation So let's look at how Nicodemus Hears what Jesus has just said How does he understand it Look at his response. How can anyone be born after growing old? How can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? See, you heard Jesus talking about going into the womb again a second time. And he says, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't work. So Jesus then repeats it more plainly a few verses later so that Nicodemus will understand. And he says that people need to be born of the Spirit. So this being born is really being born by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is from above. What needs to happen to us needs to come from outside us. It needs to be the power of the Holy Spirit doing something in our lives. But that doesn't really help Nicodemus completely because he's still stuck in a tight spot for one thing, this concept is completely new to Nicodemus. As a Pharisee, entrance into the kingdom of heaven was predicated on two things obedience to the law and adherence to the tradition of the elders, which is the rabbinic interpretation of the law. It was a legalism. That was his understanding of how you get to be in right relationship with God. Now, Jesus is talking about something brand new, a new paradigm. And so that's one thing that bothers him. Uh, But yet, at the same time, this transforming power of God's Spirit is exactly what Nicodemus needed. Where was Nicodemus coming from? Don't you get the feeling that Nicodemus is not comfortable with his relationship with God? He's been practicing obedience his entire life in order to be right with God. But something inside is nagging away at Nicodemus. He hasn't made it. He's not there. He needs something. His efforts at obedience and compliance with the tradition of elders have left him feeling empty or maybe even like a fraud. Maybe he feels like a hypocrite. I've kept all the rules, but inside I know I'm a failure. And I like Charles Wesley's words that he wrote in that song have fallen a thousand times. And maybe that's what Nicodemus was feeling, a failure. He needed something more. And I think that's why he came to Jesus at night in private, because he needed something more from Jesus. But at the same time, what Jesus says to him sounds too good to be true. And I don't think he can get his head around it. It sounds too good to be true because Jesus seems to be offering him a fresh start with a clean slate. Nicodemus is probably an older man. And he, he knows the many conflicting contradictions of his life. He knows how hard he's tried and he knows how little he's changed. And he says, can I really be like born all over again and have a clean start, a, a clean slate, a fresh beginning? Can an old man truly change? Can he start all over again? Now let's go back to the call and response structure. Um, God's ready to speak to us in a lot of different ways. All we need to do is listen. Listen. Uh. I think we're ahead of one. Just back up one slide for me, wouldn't you? Uh, God is, is ready to speak to us. He speaks through His word. He, he, he speaks through people. He speaks through the thoughts and longings of our heart. There's another way he calls this. I, I, I really like the opening hymn that Ashley chose this morning: "Beautiful one. What does beauty do? Beauty calls us. Anything that's beautiful draws us towards itself. It calls us to itself. God, just by his very beauty, calls us to himself. He's calling us in so many ways. Now, how did Nicodemus come to Jesus? There's the next slide. One more. I think he came out of his own inner despair. His own inner sense that things weren't right. I think he had that longing for something better. And I think he heard the Holy Spirit prompting him, calling him to go to Jesus and find a better way to become righteous with God. And he obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he went to Jesus and he listened to Jesus and he believed. He put his faith in Jesus. And he became a disciple. God speaks, and our role is to say, Here I am. I am listening. What would you say to me? This is the second Sunday of Lent. Last week, we we considered the role of Lent in making us more attentive to God, directing our thoughts towards God. You may remember that there are three practices in Lent that invite us to engage Lent invites us to engage in these three things At a deeper level for 40 days To engage in prayer at a deeper level Fasting or giving things up at a deeper level And giving Giving graciously at a deeper level On this second Sunday of Lent Our focus is on prayer Not, not prayer that God would Just simply do the things that we ask for Though we rightly do that It's a, it's a good thing it's, it's, it's more prayer that makes us attentive to God. Listening to God. Listening for his voice. It, it's a prayer that says, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What do you want me to do? Uh, the, the, the gold, I'm off, off my notes here, Whitney, I'm sorry. The gold standard for this is in Genesis chapter 22 where now Abraham is his name God calls to Abraham and Abraham answers with one Hebrew word that's an interesting word God says Abraham and Abraham says behold what does that mean? behold Abraham saying yes God I heard you look at me here I am I'm ready look at me I'm ready what do you want me to do? You know the rest of the story? What did God want him to do in chapter 22? Kill his son. But he said, behold, here I am. That's, that's what we say. God, look, here I am. Look, I hear you. Look at me. What do you want me to do? We put ourselves in a place of prayer and we listen to God. Cultivating the desire to hear God calling us And then responding is the key. If we don't want to respond, maybe God won't be quite as quick to speak. And this we practice during Lent. For 40 days we say, Father, here I am, behold, speak to me, speak to me. Prayer is essential for hearing God's voice. Prayer puts us in a a place to hear. We hear God speaking sometimes through our thoughts as we pray. Wendy and I had a bit of a a crisis a a few years ago that looked like it might cost us some money. And it was really painful in a a number of points, in a number of ways. And I was praying in, in the back of our house. And as I was praying, I thought of a name. I haven't seen that person for a long time. I called the person up. I told him the problem. He says, Here, here's another name. Call this person Monday morning. I called the person Monday morning. Their problem was solved. God dropped a name into my head as I was praying. We hear God speaking through other people after we've prayed. About 15 to 20 years into my stay at Church of the Way, where I was the pastor, I was restless and ready to leave. I'm from Colorado. I miss the mountains. I found a job in Alberta, which is almost as good as Colorado, or maybe better. Take your pick. And, and I, I thought, that's a job made for me. So I filled out the application, I filled out a new resume, and I put it on my desk, and I said, Lord, what do I do? Lord, what do I do? So did God speak to me? Audible voice? You think so? Henry's saying no. Okay, good, thank you, Henry. He didn't. I was preaching at church on a Sunday morning, And I walked out after the service and and there was a little lady in our church who was about this tall and about 70 pounds. And she said something to me as she was leaving. I don't remember what she said. But plain as day, I remember right now that I said, that was God speaking to me. And God said, you're not finished here. Stay here. And the application went in the trash. God spoke through a lady in our church. Uh, You can do this by starting off every morning saying, Lord, here I am, I'm listening. What do you have for me today? Wendy and I read a book quite a few years ago now called Operating Instructions by uh, an author that we really like. And her principle of life is she said, you know, I'll put a question, I'll write it down, I'll put it in God's inbox. Praise. And then she waits for her operating instructions what is she supposed to do God is calling us sometimes audibly often in our prayers and our thoughts sometimes to other people through reading the word through hearing somebody else talk about the word God is calling to us all the time we need to respond I want you to listen to this song by uh, an opera singer but it's a, it's a traditional spiritual. Listen to this song. We'll play it all the way through. This is a wisdom I want to pull out of that old spiritual. Number one, hush. Sometimes we don't hear God because there's too much noise in our lives, too much distraction, and we need to eliminate some of that. And so that's one of the th- reasons we give up things in, in Lent, like social media or certain kinds of radio. Or There you go. I blew it again. <laughs> We give up these things in order to be able to hear God, to get rid of the noise, the distractions in our lives. Hush. The second is, even death is God calling us as saints. Even death is God calling, calling us home. Come on home. The third bit of wisdom is, our attitude needs to be, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, what shall I do? All day long there should be our attitude Lord, I want you to tell me What should I do? What should I do? It works Last, last week we talked about giving a, a little bit And as part of Lent And then Monday I, I went for coffee While Anna was at her piano lesson and, and there was a fellow Where I was having coffee Who was asking people for money And and I could tell that was a bother to the staff, uh, an enormous problem for the staff. So so I declined. And then I was sitting there with my coffee, and he came by my table, and he asked for money, and I, I declined. And I started hearing this inner voice. Wasn't very clear. Kind of tried to ignore it. And then this fellow came and sat at the table next to me with a friend, right next to me. He didn't look at me. He didn't ask me for anything. And that voice seemed to say to me, take all the change out of your pocket and put it in his hand. I didn't really want to do that because I didn't... I I, I remember the looks on on the staff... At this place, I saw their discomfort. I, I didn't really want to do that, but I felt like God was saying, "Take all the change in your." Pocket. I didn't know how much change I had in my pocket, and and I pulled it out, and I stood up and I, I walked over and I just put it in his hand, and he looked at it, kind of, almost a bit of shock, and then he said, "Thank you," and I said, "You're welcome," and I walked out and I said, "Lord, thank you." Thank you If we want to listen God will speak But he might ask us to do something That doesn't necessarily make sense Does it make sense for a 75 year old man To pack up and move A long long distance away From family and friends And from his father Does it make sense I wasn't sure it was a smart thing to do But I said, okay, Lord, I think you're calling me to do this, so I will risk it. I will dare to do this. God speaks to us. Will we dare to listen? Will we dare to respond? And in doing so, will we dare to live by faith, to walk by faith? There's a line that Aslan says in one of the Chronicles of Narnia books that resonates powerfully with the reader. And it goes, Do not dare not to dare. We must dare to take the risk to respond to God. We must. What happens if we don't dare Does God get angry at us? I don't know. You can just shut it off now. Back to the other one. Uh, Because that's out of the the movie. That's the wrong picture. Um, No, but I think we forfeit the lovely partnership that we can have with God as by faith we respond to what he wants us to do. That partnership is a privilege. And none of us want to forfeit that. So ask God to speak during this Lenten season. Expect him to speak, maybe in surprising ways. And respond positively in faith, even if it's risky, when you feel that God is prompting you to do something. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this season of Lent that seeks to make us more attentive to you and seeks to draw us into a place of listening to you and responding to you by faith, like Abram did, like Nicodemus did. Jesus, help us to listen and to respond. Thank you that you call us throughout our lives and even at our death that you call us. Thank you. Amen.